welcome to this very special episode of the Halihewa Podcast with your host, Abigail Kima. At Halihewa Podcast, we're proud to bring you a platform where you can hear from African experts. And today we'll be speaking about AI for sustainable agriculture. And I know most of us have probably only interacted with AI through chat GPT. So when you see those very well-written emails, you just know this is chat GPT at work. But uh, I have the pleasure of hosting two amazing guests on the podcast today from the ATPS. And they're going to tell us more about what that is about and exactly what they're doing in their work. So welcome, Dr. Nicholas, and welcome, Joel. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, Joel is joining us virtually, and we have Dr. Nicholas uh, in the studio today. And so I'll invite you, Dr. Nicholas, to tell us more about ATPS. What are you about? Thank you, Abigail, for having me. My name is uh, Nicholas Ozo. I am the executive director of uh, the African Technology Policy Studies Network, what you call ATPS. So ATPS is a transdisciplinary network of researchers, policymakers, mm -hmm. civil society actors, and the private sector actors that promote the generation, the dissemination, the use, and mastery of science, technology, and innovation for Africa's development, for environmental sustainability, and global inclusion. So ATPS walks through national chapters located in 30 countries, uh, but with institutional partnership in the 54 um, countries that is in Africa. Our headquarters happen to be here in Nairobi, Kenya, where we also enjoy diplomatic immunities and privileges accorded other international organizations of our, our status. So um, every year, because science, technology, and innovation is a broad area, um, we usually uh, do what we call strategic plan for five years minimum. Uh, and uh, in that strategic plan, we identify core areas where working with our stakeholders, we have over 5,000 network members of the ATPS spread across Africa mm -hmm. and also the entire world. Uh, so we work to identify what are the priority areas that uh, they think that we should focus on. And uh, the current strategic plan that we are working on, or uh, working with, uh, has uh, identified uh, some key areas, including agriculture, food and nutrition, mm -hmm. uh, energy, especially renewable energy, environment and climate change, and health innovations. So these four thematic priority areas are the ones guiding the work we do currently. So. Uh, delving straight into uh, the topic of the day, which is uh, artificial intelligence in agriculture and food system, what you also call AI. Mm -hmm. um, it is because we have prioritized agriculture and food systems amongst our priority areas for work. And we have been looking at, because we are a science, technology, and innovation organization, we have been looking at emerging technologies 
that can be used to uh, increase productivity and production and also ensure nutrition, adequate nutrition uh, in that sector. And that's why the most emerging technology, uh, the artificial intelligence, is now one of the uh, tools we are using to um, promote productivity in the sector. Great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I like the fact that you said it is based on research and you identified some of the key priority areas within the continent of Africa. And it's impressive to hear you're in 30 countries within Africa. Nice. And I understand you have a specific project on this particular uh, topic on sustainable agriculture. Yeah. Uh, also tell us more about that. Okay, so uh, this particular project uh, looks at um, artificial intelligence in agriculture and food systems. So the goal is to advance the development, the deployment, the scaling of homegrown, responsible artificial intelligence in agriculture and food systems. Mm -hmm. We, um, I'm very particular about some keywords in those uh, in that in that particular project mm -hmm. topic. Uh, homegrown, homegrown means we want to uh, foster and promote AI that is developed from our people that has identified uh, the priority needs of our people that is directed towards local content. In Africa, not just uh, if if they come and give you AI in the uh, development of um, maybe Apple, we don't produce much of Apple here. Mm -hmm. So we have to talk about our staple food crops, which if we apply AI to, we can have increased production or productivity for those homegrown or crops and livestock that are of interest to Africa, not those ones that are not of our particular interest. So the other one is responsible. Responsible in the sense that AI can be very disruptive. And if you don't control how it is used, uh, people can deploy it in achieving negative uh, impacts or effects, which can cost the economy uh, some huge costs. And therefore, the kind of or the type of AI we are prom pro uh, promoting is the one that is homegrown, building endogenous capacity of our people. Mm -hmm. We can get technology transfer from outside, but it must adapt to our own context and content to make it relevant to our local farmers, to our smallholder farmers. Uh, and it must be responsible. Uh, and maybe when we talk about stakeholder impacts, we talk more about how we can achieve this responsibility. Uh, because government need to play a lot of role in ensuring that uh, the AI is responsible by using policies, regulations, laws. Where that is not in place, then you expect some danger. Why people always say, oh, AI can do this bad thing or the other bad thing. So. And AI, if I may just uh, use this opportunity to define it, mm -hmm. um, is the ability of machines to perform some cognitive functions that can only be done by human minds, such as reasoning, 
such as perception, such as ability to think and uh, solve problems. So AI can do all these things, especially also harness, use, use its sense mm -hmm. to solve societal challenges in the environment and so on and so forth. So this is the AI we are talking about. And most, of the, most importantly, the responsible AI is the AI that has, is lawful, AI that is lawful, AI that respects my privacy, your privacy, AI that is ethical, AI that respects the culture and norms of the people. Mm -hmm. So that is the kind of AI we want to develop, or we are developing already because we are working on the ground mm -hmm. uh, in Africa. Great. Thank, Thank you. you for defining that. I was actually going to ask you to do that. And you've said you're very keen on the words that you use. So homegrown and responsible. And of course, a lot of other key stakeholders have to come to play for this to be possible. Yes. And to Joel, uh, as the project manager, I believe, joining us all the way from Nigeria, correct me if I'm wrong, I'd love you to, you know, uh, introduce yourself and also tell our audience or bring our audience into an understanding of how you're actually using AI to transform, you know, agriculture and food systems and maybe give us a couple of examples or stories that you've seen that have worked. So welcome, Joel. Thank you. I am uh, Joel Mwakire. Um, I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at HTPS uh, on an assignment in Nigeria. Um, I've been in Nairobi for a long time, but just on a mission to Nigeria. Um, the project manager, it's a privilege to be the project manager of the Artificial Intelligence for Agriculture and Food Systems Innovation Research Network. Um, it has been a very wonderful experience, you know, coordinating the project and also seeing real um, scenarios uh, where artificial intelligence has been applied. And one thing that's interesting is the capacity of Africans to key into uh, the use of artificial intelligence in food, increasing food sustainability. Well, we have had some scenarios. I want to give you a background to the project we have. Uh, we have um, 10 projects cutting across eight countries in Africa. We have two projects in Kenya. Uh, we have two projects in Tanzania. We have one in Malawi, which is Southern Africa. Uh, then we have um, a project in Nigeria. We have a project in Ghana, and we have a project in Senegal, and one more project in Cape Verde. So these projects are distributed across the Southeast and West Africa. So um, it has been also interesting to learn about these projects because um, they give us the confidence that Africans can actually do it. We, we are looking at the decolonial approach and that is why we're saying it should be homegrown. A homegrown technology and the decolonial approach to mainstreaming technology you know, for African use. So that what we now mean is that this project have collected Africa's unique data sets around um, plants, data sets, voice, farmers, and data from cloud, uh, please weather information that will be deployed in the cloud for decision-making, for prediction, new prediction. And this is around our core focus areas, food availability, access, food utilization, and stability. These are four areas we are looking at. Uh, they are actually the four components of food security. And um, 
um, the executive director have been very emphatic about this responsible development. And one thing again that we have tried to do that is uh, coming out good is that we have followed also gender equality and social inclusion approach. And that is, we were intentional about making sure that we have more women get involved in the development. We first of all conducted an initial study that showed that it's just 30% of women are in AI and 70% are men. So we wanted to bridge this gap. And so we were intentional about selecting five women-led groups and five men-led groups. And um, we can say that the women-led groups are performing well. So they are actually uh, our future. So now let's go to some specific about the project. We have a project in Ghana and that project in Ghana uses a deep learning algorithm to diagnose diseases in cassava, in maize, in cashew and tomato. Now, it's turning out to be a tool that will assist farmers to do a real-time early detection of diseases. And then they will also um, understand what are the possible solutions. So it will also suggest possible solutions. So for the first time, farmers will have access to real-time monitoring of their, of their plant and also get advisory services. We also have a very interesting project in Kenya uh, that is a project from Manzi Geospatial Research. And that project have looked at monitoring and early warning system, especially the, the growth of Tuta uh, Absoluta, uh, especially it's a, it's a known pest around uh, tomato farming in Kenya. And it's doing a lot trying to use temperature and environmental parameters to understand what conditions can give rise to this pest coming up. And then once that condition is met, an alarm is set off and farmers can take steps to make sure that that condition does not continue. So they can monitor. Then in also detection, they, they have the ability to say, oh, based on these environmental conditions, which is a deep learning model where you collect data set that can actually do what the human does. For instance, I give an illustration to make it on us understand how artificial intelligence is. A child grows up, a child does not understand this or that, but over time, the child continues to acquire information from the environment. Over time, the child can say, this is A based on shape, and the child can say, this is B based on shape. So the child over time was trained on a data set, and that data set where the communication that was given on shapes, A is for apple. So that is that. So these um, tools are being used. And we can say that finally on the technology, uh, we had a very beautiful engagement yesterday in Nigeria during our gender um, innovation challenge project, which were mainstreaming in Nigeria. And we had the Nigerian project demonstrate real-time detection. So they had a an independent system that monitors plant. And anywhere you are, even if you're in Kenya, you can see real time the health statue of your farm. It was wonderful seeing it. So the farmers were so much excited seeing this. And so these are the, some of the projects taking place in a short one. So thank you very much.
Thank you so much, uh, Joel. Those are very interesting tools. I mean, I am also using this as an opportunity to learn about AI because, as you said, Dr. Nicholas, a lot of people are still very sort of pushing AI away because, of course, as you said, without the regulation, then it means the aspect of responsibility is missed. And, uh, of course, everything comes with... I believe when you're going about a project, you want to see the impact, especially to the people that you've so passionately talked about who are the community members and, you know, as you said, homegrown that is tailor-made to, uh, you know, satisfy our needs. And so um, would you say over the couple of, I don't know how many years that you've been working on this project, would you say you've seen real impact, especially to those smallholder farmers? And are they, how receptive are they to this particular technology? And would you say you've seen any sort of impact uh, with the work that you've been doing? Thank you very much, um, Abigail. I can tell you that this project and AI as a whole is an emerging area. Mm -hmm. And um, because it is new, and this our project started only two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it is too early to measure impact. Mm -hmm. Impact is the outcome of an intervention. So the intervention is still ongoing. We are still building the capacity of these innovators who are deploying, developing, and at a small level scaling. So uh, measuring impact uh, will be difficult at this stage because uh, it will be better to measure impact when these farmers that they have trained on how they can use their mobile phones to monitor their farms, uh, even when they are not within the geographical location uh, and as well know the health status of their crops uh, and trigger uh, maybe irrigation and be able to know when there is pe pests or insects attack and be because of local conditions and then be able to now address those. So when they start doing them mm -hmm. by themselves uh, and do it for some time, you can then measure impact. But for now, and for this our project, it is still uh, being it is still at the stage of development and deployment, like ninety percent De development and deployment. We can say we've developed, we are deploying, and then after a while, we can then measure the impact this has had. Remember, impacts we are talking about can be measured by farmers saying previously before I adopted this technology I was harvesting one ton of maize or one ton of tomatoes. With this technology I am now able to harvest two tons. You see it is clear. Yes. You can say they have adopted and deployed the technology and the impact it has had on their uh, production is that there is increased productivity. Mm -hmm. Increased productivity can as well be as a result of the fact that the insect pests, which we are supposed to have devastated that crop, 
uh, have been prevented from devastating it using AI. And therefore, the losses they would have encountered, they no longer encountered it. And uh, they are now able to preserve and harvest all. Okay, even when they have harvested, they have used AI, as you may know, if, um, Africa suffers from about 30 to 50%, what we call post-harvest loss in even the tomato we have produced. So after struggling to produce the tomato, we still lose about 30% of them through what we call post-harvest loss. Mm -hmm. But with AI, you can now preserve that loss and maybe increase the value chain, increase processing, increase preservation of that tomato so that it, it doesn't get lost. Mm -hmm. I was telling someone the other day, here in Kenya, there's a lot of go to Meru, go to Kisi. You see a lot of avocado pears falling down for the dogs, for the chicken to, to eat. And yet, if you go to California, a, 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 a plate of avocado soup is so delicious that people pay up to $20, $30 to have an avocado soup. And yet here, we, are, we, don't, we use leg to price it in Kisi. You see? Mm -hmm. So we have a lot that this can help us to not only in production, but like he said, we are covering the entire four components of food security, including the availability, which means production, mm -hmm. the access, which means ability to get the food and eat, utilization, ability to eat nutritious ones, and stability. Stability can be through uh, predicting, like uh, the, the low cost that usually invade East Africa. With AI, you can know when they are coming. You can know when they are coming and plan ahead to, you know, prevent, not prevent, but tackle it. Not the firefighting approach when they have descended on the crops, then you start attacking. No, but you know it ahead of time. You prepare for them as they are coming, you are combating them. Mm -hmm. So that is the issue of impact. Impact to be too early to measure reasonable impact because we are still at the deployment stage mm -hmm. on this project. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, also, I am learning so much from speaking to you, you know, the components of food security. You said availability. Availability. Access. Food availability, mm -hmm. which includes like production. So when food is produced, it makes it to be available. Mm -hmm. Access, ability to get it from the market. Yes. You can have food, but you can't get access to them. Mm -hmm. So um, the food supply chain, all those transportation, all those things are part of access. And you know how much food we lose through transportation. Yeah. But So access, then utilization. utilization. Utilization now is ability to add value to those crops mm -hmm. so that people, if you don't eat uh, to, to, the fresh tomato now for your stew, mm -hmm. You can eat the tomato puree when it has been processed and canned. You can eat it uh, next year. Mm -hmm. So that is utilization. Then stability means to make food stable, uh, 
through policy making, for instance, giving loans uh, to farmers, giving uh, smartphones to farmers to be able to monitor weather because it is only through smartphones that you can get some of this uh, uh, information that we, we, we disseminate. Mm -hmm. It can be through prediction, like um, you'll be able to know. We have developed a technology, for instance, that you can use to know um, how much rain can fall in your location from January to December. Mm -hmm. So through that phone, through that uh, tech, uh, um, app, we call it Land PKS, you can know the amount of rainfall from January to December in any particular uh, geographical space. We have used it to train uh, people in uh, Samburu areas. And we have trained across five countries in Africa. And farmers can now use it to know when they expect rainfall mm -hmm. and when rainfall will not be there. And then they plan their farm enterprises as to production or, you know, it will be bad that you go and, and cultivate, taking the rain is stable and then you don't see the rain. But with the app, you can know the quantity that can fall at any particular time. You can know your soil qualities. You can know the type of soil you have. And we have developed a soil mat a crop matrix to uh, match soils mm -hmm. to the type of crops that we perform better in those soils. So there are a lot of technologies available to help in stability. Uh, there are other components, uh, uh, there are other segments, like some people talk about food sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Food sovereignty, trying to say this should be the fifth component. Sovereignty means, okay, um, you, don't, uh, you don't force me to um, take uh, wheat, uh, because if you go to Ethiopia, if there is no TEF in Ethiopia, then there is no food yeah. in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. If you come to May, uh, <laughs> if you come to Kenya, <laughs> if there is no maize, <laughs> then yeah. there is no food. Yeah. And there is a new call, especially just because I live in Kenya, uh, to demaze Kenya. Because one of the greatest challenges of food security in Kenya is maize. So the earlier we start diversifying our food culture to embrace cassava, to embrace sweet potato, to embrace plantain, the better for us in Kenya mm -hmm. than depending on maize. Because if anything happens to maize, then we are done. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. you. That actually takes me back to an episode I did on food sovereignty and there was an issue about seeds. And uh, there was a court case in government where they were saying how we used to farm in the past where we would exchange seeds is now a crime. And those actually are a campaign against it. And in your feedback about impact, and I understand it's only been two years, which uh, I believe opens an opportunity for us to come back after two years to hear how much has or changed. Before. <laughs> or before, <laughs> possibly. And so I'll invite Joel to speak on, you know, some of the challenges that you have experienced, especially working with uh, those uh, innovators within Africa with regards to adoption and also how the technology itself is received uh, by the people that it's supposed to serve. So what are some of the challenges you have experienced? Thank you very much. Uh, one of the key challenges we the feedback we got from the grantees is uh, 
initial fear about AI and its displacement of jobs. Um, this, um, the farmers have been interested to know if this AI system comes, how will the uh, those who do all the manual things or who contribute to the value chain, how would they be sustained? Would they leave? And um, the, the fears that technology will always displace women. Um, that is another fear that the more we have technology, the more uh, there is a gender divide. So that has been some fear. And um, another fear has been, another challenge is housing data data to to get data banks across africa uh, where we can have a one-stop shop to get data for training models uh, for specific conditions of crop pests and others so th this also have been um, a challenge that atps is overcoming uh, for the data bank atps now have a data storage or data bank where all the data uh, house because you pay for data banks uh, they they real they really cost a lot of uh, money so um, these are the challenges then another challenge is effective monitoring um, implementing uh, robust projects like these will require uh, effective monitoring so we are trying also to make sure that that challenge is overcome um, and so we, we are intentional about making sure these challenges but you know in project implementation, there are challenges, or we call them risk, that you can overcome, and there are those you cannot overcome. But overall, uh, we are happy running the project, and we can see some some uh, things taking place on the ground. Right, and I mean that's how everything has to start. You have to start from somewhere. So thank you for sharing that with us, and I hope as you go, you'll keep you know making adjustments based on on the new experiences.